Welcome everyone, you are listening to the I Am A Sparching Podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show, it will probably suck. Scott the Fane Knowles and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR podcast. On this episode, Ireland McBrady reached out to me about coming on the show and talking about his race at Whistler. And we also talked about Tahoe this weekend, how he's preparing for that and for the Sparta Trifecta weekend and also for going to Sweden and doing the 24-hour ultra. Ireland's been on the show before on episode 67, which was... I kind of go over like his origin, how he got into OCR, and you definitely want to check out that episode too. Here goes the interview. Hope you enjoy it. Ireland McBrady, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, Scott? Uh, good to talk to you again. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, and to those out there that didn't listen to episode 67 where I had Ireland on, go back and listen to that episode because Ireland reached out to me to tell me about his race in Whistler and how it went. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So it's not really going to be like an origin episode on like how he got into OCR. So you got to go back and listen to episode 67. So Ireland, man, you've been having a great year. Started off kind of rocky in Jacksonville, but man, like you cut weight you, you went into West Virginia. Man, you crushed West Virginia. Like, tell us about how you did in West Virginia, first off. Oh, yeah. So, um, so that was a really exciting, really satisfying um, race. I, I did do West Virginia last year for the North American Regional Championship. Um, so I, I really enjoy the terrain because the West Virginia course is just a great layout where you do end up getting a good amount of climbing. Um, but it's it's a mix and just it keeps on changing. None of your climbs are big, long, you know, like destroy the quad, just that kind of death marches. They just oh, you climb here and then you descend again, then it's flat and it's flat for a while, and then it's a gradual incline, and then it's a little steep. So just a really nice mix um, yeah. on the terrain. Yeah, Garfield and, is the race director that did West Virginia, and Garfield always does a great race. It doesn't matter where mm-hmm. it's at, and besides. You know, I didn't particularly like where the festival area was at this year compared to where it's normally at. But to me, uh-huh. to me, this was the best trifecta weekend at West Virginia course wise. It was the best. It was the most challenging course to me. I thought. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it last year, um, and uh, and so um, so uh, see my. Um, who turned out to be my top competition. I knew he's really good from last year, um, Jeff Boomhauer. That was actually my first race with Jeff Boomhauer, who is a beast in the 40s age group and takes a lot of first overall age group um, victories. My first race ever with him, because he's an East Coast guy, was West Virginia last year. Um, And I got the win, but he beat me um, by by a bunch of minutes in in Tahoe in the World Championship. Um, and so, 
he was, um, he and I, we started, started the same like last year, just uh, real quick, um, you know, fired out the gate, and Jeff and I got out front and um, went neck and neck for a while. Um, and then uh, I ended up pulling ahead. I think the, fir- the first spot I pulled ahead, I think I had a faster technique on Olympus than Jeff. And if you had, um, if folks want to check it out on my Spartan Ireland YouTube channel, especially the first video I think I put up on there was um, my approach to the Olympus, and, and it uh, gets me through faster, and with the speed, it stays full on. So, uh, and I've been using, when I saw that technique, I used to always go on the right side of the wall, and mm-hmm. now I use the left side of the wall just by watching the way you do your technique on Olympus was very helpful to me. I've been doing it that way ever since, and it's it's helped me a bunch. And I, you know, especially when it's dry, I get through it so quick. Mm. That's, yeah, that's good, good feedback. Um, yeah, good. I'm glad that's working for you. Um, I got got a bunch of. I think I posted it in early August last year. Yeah. So even by the time I got to West Virginia, I ran into people like, "Oh, hey, I saw your video. That's helped me a lot." Um, so, uh, yeah, I think you had Crocs on when you did the video too. (laughs) What's that? I think you were wearing Crocs when you did it too. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I was on a volunteer shift when I shot that video. That was pretty cool. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so that was, that was a, um, that was a, a great victory. Um, I had, I missed my spear. The only, I made it two out of three races. The one I missed it in, you know, was the big one, the North American Regional Championship. I didn't know how much of a lead I had, and so that was 30 real high-stress burpees, just I'm one sure. on my, because I'd held the lead since that Olympus, and I'm wondering, that, I'm like, did I just botch it? Have I been in the lead the entire time in the North American Regional Championship, and here I'm going to lose it because of my lousy throw? Oh, my God, um, dude. But uh, I had eked out enough of Man, a um, you, lead. You finished that, had, that race with an awesome time. I think I even went back and looked at it, and, like, you would have placed, you know, fairly decent in the elite times with your time, and you failed the spear, too. That's 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 awesome. I know you beat me by, like, 30 minutes, I think. It, it was a lot. So, yeah, that was a great weekend. Um, and then, and you know, when I went into it, my heart was only focused on North American Regional Championship. I wanted the other races. Um, I wanted the trifecta count. I've traveled all the way to West Virginia. So, um, but I was really going into the weekend only thinking about the the, the, beast, the beast and not really appreciating the value that I had. And that's the only trifecta weekend I'm going to do all year, except that I'm going to do the trifecta world championship in Sparta. And so I wasn't thinking about it that well in terms of it being, this is my test run for doing all three in one weekend. Right. Um, but I, I came back out the next day. Um, I could tell right away I didn't have the same speed, the same gusto. Dustin living good. Um, shot out the gate like a madman, and I just, I just absolutely couldn't. You know, I didn't throw in the towel. I didn't give up, but I could not touch him. So I took second in the super, um, but I came back and I got first in the sprint, where Dustin took second in the sprint. So to get a first, a second, and a first in trifecta weekend, I felt like okay, that was that's a good test. That tells me some about how you know. Um, maybe I can hold up, you know, to handle three races, you know, and, and still perform competitively, um, you know, there over in Sparta. So yeah, when, when Dustin's on, he's on, man. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, he is, yeah, he's a fast dude, for sure. Um, I mean, even, even when he finishes the race and says he had a hard time, 
something wasn't going right with the nutrition or cramp. I mean, his bad races, he's still usually hitting the podium. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's a beast for sure. Yeah, especially for only standing like four feet tall. <laughs> he's like the one guy that I'm taller than. <laughs> So, all right, man, so you went to Whistler, I guess it was about a week and a half ago, because this is a week, and Tahoe's this weekend coming up, man. So tell us about the Whistler venue. That's actually a Canadian race, but it was, I believe this is the first Canadian race that Spartan U.S. took over. So how did that unfold for you? Um, so, um, so Whistler, I'm in the uh, Pacific Northwest in Puyallup, Washington, and like an hour south of Seattle, so... Um, it was a drive for me, maybe five and a half hours. Um, well, not too bad to get there. Um, yeah, yeah, not bad. Um, the, the forecast was going to be lousy for the whole week, and the forecast was um, temperature wasn't too bad. It was like fifty degrees, so that's all right. But we were looking at rain the whole time. Um, it turned out to um, not be um, raining. I think during race time Saturday. The, they did the short race first, so they did the sprint, and then Sunday they did the super. Um, so on Saturday, um, yeah, there was some wet grip obstacles. I have a glove that I use now. I just I toss it into. I've got a little waist pack, so I put the gloves in the waist pack when I'm running. Um, and then when I know, oh shoot, you know, coming up soon is the twister or the wet monkey bar, or whatever, pop them out and put them on before the obstacle. I mean, they worked really well for me in that. What kind um, of what kind of gloves are you using? Um, they are, they are, I'm spacing on the brand name, um, but they're, they're, they look like, like one of those rubber dips, um, Oh, so it's gloves. like a, kind of like a cloth glove, but it's got rubber on the, yeah. on the hand print of it? Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly like that, yeah, it's like a worker, um, it's a worker safety supply company, um, yeah. And I bought four different gloves from them, four different models, and just went and got a, the monkey bar wet in the, the playground at the park and went through the floor, and that was the one that I thought had the biggest difference. Oh, cool. Um, and I was able to go through those wet obstacles in Whistler um, with a confident hold in my grip, which if anybody saw my um, worst performance, um, least worst performance in two years, not with an injury in Seattle. I got killed by the wet grip obstacles in Seattle this year back in April. Right. Um, and this time in Whistler, both days, um, no no failures, no issues with wet grips. So um, definitely you know, that helped. And, you know, I, I had like the first six seasons of Spartan racing. I didn't do any gloves. I liked feeling, you know, everything with my hands. And I still do like feeling everything with my hands. But... I just didn't want to be in the spot like Seattle where I'm right. like, okay, depending on the weather, you know, maybe that throws my whole race. Um, I didn't want to, didn't want to keep repeating that. Um, so yeah, so as well as worked out great, um, had a good race. Um, and so I beat left Callum by just like a minute 25. Um, but he had kind of a lousy day cause he had a, he had a poor shoe choice. He had tested out some, he has got some road running shoes, but he had run on the gravel roads there and felt fine and felt confident in them. Uh, by the end of the sprint, he was a lot less confident in bombing down wet, grassy hills. Oh, I'm sure. In road shoes. He, he bit the dust. I think he had like five slips on the same hill. Those, um, I mean, when so you're going down a wet, grassy hill and the grass is just all folded over, I mean, OCR shoes with good lugs really aren't the best. I mean, you're still going to slip and slide with good OCR right. shoes. Yeah, man. yeah. No, I, 
I had two tumbles in good traction the second day um, from that, from downhill wet grass. Um, so Les and I had a good uh, had a good tight race, um, and then um, and then going into the second day, uh, there's a, a few things that went on and a few firsts for me. Um, I'm following the weather report really closely and keep checking it on my phone and it's raining on us, you know, Saturday to the afternoon. And I, I just, I didn't have lodging. I was just sleeping in my car, uh, oh, man. on my car, the weather reports showing it's going to just rain, rain, rain all through the morning, all through the night, all through race time. I was thinking about even, I'm like, man, I'm going to maybe, you know, just to not get too cold from being soaking up the whole time. I thought maybe I'll go like run the whole thing. And, uh, I brought a you know, waterproof windbreaker. Um, and then I get up in the morning and the forecast is saying, okay, basically no rain from now, from about 6 a.m. till about 11 or 12 is the window with no rain. I'm like, oh, well, that's, you know, that turns out, you know, very fortunate for us. Um, and knowing the course layout, because I knew that there was, um, there was no water feature to the dunk wall, which was the final thing before finish line. Right. So, so then I thought, okay, um, the course is going to be wet and mucky. All the vegetation, all the grass is going to be wet. But I'm not going to submerge. I'm not going to do any, you know, creek crossings or water features. And with it being all, you know, steep up and down, I've got these Speed Goat Mid waterproof um, shoes uh, from Hoka, and I just got them for hill training. Um, but when I started training them, and it's on a 21% hill um, that's not too far from my place, so really steep. And the first time I wore them on that, it was the downhills that sold me on the speed go because the cushion, the uh, the shock absorption is what I want to say. The shock absorption, trying to go fast downhill, it was just amazing. It, and it's not as thick as my Stinson's from Hoka, right. but I think it's the rubber, because where the rubber meets the road, will affect shock absorption more where, like, the, the midsole is going to be your cushion, you know, and your pad. So um, I like those so much. That's why I got the Speedgoat Evos, um, which are brand-new shoes for this year, and they're more of a, uh, a race design. Um, but, again, I mean, the comfort's great. They've got great traction. They drain well. They fit perfect. Um, so I love those. That's what I wore in uh, West Virginia. So um, let me ask you so, something. So going where oh, yeah. wearing those hokas do you feel like you don't have because i mean i've never run in hokas but i always would think that you wouldn't have like a more ground uh you know i'm trying to figure out how to say this in words i would feel like with all that extra cushion you wouldn't be able to feel the terrain as easily as you would with like a minimalist shoe um i i have not found that to be an issue um now the hoka evo jaws that i have in love they um can take the pepsi challenge on best grip of any shoe out there it's right that really aggressive six millimeter lugs um they're really widely spaced so you just it's basically impossible that you get like a rock or a stick wedged in between two of them because of the spacing yeah they're a seven ounce shoe um they're more minimal like a but, I mean, minimal for Hoka, like, they're, like, 23 millimeters of stack height, yeah. I think. Um, What's so, the Speed Goats? Because the, spe- the Speed Goats got a good racer. stack on them. What's that? I mean, the Speed Goats, they got a pretty decent stack on them. It, it, yeah, it just looks yeah, like a shoe like thir- that would be easy like to roll your ankle with. What's that? It, it just looks like All a the, shoe. The, yeah, well, yeah. Part, of, part of Hoka's 
um, shoe design, you see all the, the side, you know, profile of the shoe, you see how high that cushion goes, but that's higher than the actual stack height, and so your feet actually kind of like sink down and get cradled into some of that. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I have not had a rolling issue with them. Um, similar, like their tallest shoes, um, because they've had shoes that are like 42 millimeters of stack height. Now, those, I wouldn't use those for the racing. Um, right. With all the uphill, downhill stuff, I wouldn't use something that tall. Um, I do use their thickest shoe, the Stinson, for, um, just to protect my feet when I do my flat run training. Right. Um, but, um, but y'all, you use something that's, um, yeah, the, the Speed Goats, I think, are 30, like I said, 30 something, 32 or 33. Um, but, yeah, those speed goat evos, they feel like a racer. Um, they might be, they might be a, a nine ounce shoe. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, they don't, they don't, I haven't had any, you know, stability issues or, or problems with my agility. And those, they, they feel like a racer, even though they are taller than those evo jaws. Oh, um, cool. But so I have this, so I have those, the speed goat mid waterproofs, but they're a mid, mid-height, you know, type of shoe. Um, so I only have those for training. Um, in fact, I was just going to wear those around the festival to keep my feet dry after racing. Right. But like I said, so going into Sunday, I was like, well, you know, the whole course is wet, all the vege- vegetation is wet, but the shock absorption is so good, and they're going to keep my feet dry. I think I'll try these today. Um, so I'm wearing those. Um, we get go over to the start line. Turns out the weatherman got it wrong. Right about the time we're in the corral, shirtless, ready to go, the rain starts. And it never stops. So that window from 6 a.m. to noon, oh, wow. when the rain was supposed to come back, it started raining us right at 8 I'm like, oh, great. You know, um, now here I'm committed to you know what I'm going to wear, um, which was basically shorts and shoes. Um, huh. And it's raining on us. And Les Callen, we're, we're there, we're chit-chatting and stuff before it's uh, you know, go time. He's like, oh, hey. Matt the Bears in, in our heat, and he had ran a lead the day before. Right. Um, for those of you that aren't very familiar with your, you know, some of your Spartan race history, um, the guy's a legend. Um, yeah. I was reading about him on Spartan blogs like 2013-14, you know, guy that really, you know, stood out and made a name for himself as a top compete, elite competitor. Yeah, he used um, to, he used to own Wintergreen. What's that? He used to own Wintergreen. That was his race. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, and, and he was a beast. I mean, and, and he's, he's seasoned. He knows what he's doing. I mean, he's fought his way, you know, through, you know, even cramping and hurting and people thinking he's going to DNF and he still, you know, eats out, you know, a top spot in, you know, in elite competition. Um, so Les says that, and, and I turn and I, I see him, I know what he looks like, um, but I've never raced him before. And honestly, the first thing that hit my mind was, kind of a little bit of this point we're like oh great you know <laughs> i guess les and i are going to battle for second and third place um it was the first thing that i thought um but you know like i think i think well, i can't be Matt the bear but i'm gonna run my race and you know and and try you know and so they let us out the gate and the, it starts off it's just going straight up the, the ski slope um probably a good quarter mile, maybe more from for just the initial climb. Um, so we take off, and I find that I'm in the lead spot, but I'm basically feeling his footsteps, you know, when he steps to the ground. Um, he's right behind me, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe, um, you know, he's warming up. He's letting his heart rate, you know, start, you know, 
and breathing kind of catch up, you know, to the effort level. Um, and I don't think I'm going to stay ahead of him. And so he passes me right at the crest of the hill, and we turn the corner and start going down. Um, and I think, okay, this is it. This is where he's going to hit his real speed, and I'm going to not see him anymore. Um, so we start shooting down the hill. We're approaching the first thing is the hurdles. And um, and I know on that hill I had one of my slip and hit my butt. But, I mean, I was like, I was okay. I didn't land on a rock. I was back up in a quarter second. Right. Um, so I'm running, and he's running, and I realized that the gap's not changing. So I'm like, okay, I'm matching him. Why don't I push it a little bit and, and you know, and not just let him run away from me, not just give this up. So I catch up to him. We do the hurdle together. Um, we start to um, approach a, like a – it's kind of – it was it was a little wider than single track, but um, not real wide for passing, hitting this forest. And so I cut the edge of the trail and like just eat past him to answer that because I don't want to be behind. Um, and we we go through that um, – we go through this hill. We end up at a, a sandbag, um, and yeah, I was ahead. But then on 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 the hill, he he catches up to me. We're going to the sandbag about the same time. We actually talked like a little tiny bit. Um, right. He just he, he said something just sort of complimenting, you know, whatever you know, my my tempo or my effort level or something like that. And um, you know, and I had commented back something, you know, to the like, you know. You know, that, I, that I was that I knew of him. You know that I had known of him since my second race. You know, back when I'd only done two races. You know, I was reading about him. You know, but I'd never had a chance to race him. Um, and so uh, we finished up the sandbag. Where basically like, he passes me on the uphill, but then I pass him on the downhill. And so it's turned into a, a good battle. And we're kind of you know back and forth. Um, and then we go to the next big climb. We're approaching the twister. I put on the gloves. Um, with uh, with them being wet, I felt good about the gloves, but I didn't feel confident about skipping every other one, so I'm touching every handhold going forward. He starts a little bit behind me, but he's, he goes um, backwards-handed on it. But I think maybe from the rain, um, he didn't go through it. He didn't fly through it. Right. Um, so I was just ahead of him coming out of that. And now I'm starting to feel like, you know, wow, I wonder if I can, you know, fight for this. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to, you know, push, though, because... Um, you know, he's legit, and he's you know he's not a guy that is going to die off, you know, in the, yeah. the latter part of the race or something like that. Um, so we grind up, you know, the next big hill after a, a flat run. Um, he takes the lead from me, um, and then uh, we get up there. We do a couple more obstacles, and then we hit this nice stretch of bombing downhill, um, and he's ahead of me, and so I. I push hard on the running and um and i didn't even think till later you know left or i look back and i'm like i didn't even notice those because those speed go mids are more like a 12 ounce shoe and like i never had one thought of their weight on my feet i was actually surprised that i could how well i raced and how fast i was going with that bigger heavier shoe um but we're he's we're bombing down the hill and he's ahead um and so I push it and just get shoulder to shoulder with him. And then I just felt like I had that tempo under control. And I'm like, I, okay, I, I got this. I can push a little harder. So I start to push harder. And as soon as I do, like, I can feel and see his legs. He just immediately, like, makes this conscious decision, changes his gear, and he goes faster. Wow. Um, and then I match it. Um, and so we stay shoulder to shoulder again. And he actually just, like, lets up this um, – he let out an F-bomb of, like um, – just 
kind of frustration because <laughs> like that was he was he wanted to do the push. He wanted you know he's, he's competitive. He wants to see you know if I'm for real or not, or if he can break me and push a pace that I can't keep up with. Um, so uh, so he let out a little frustration. Later he told me he's like yeah at that point I like look at my smart watch and it's telling me I got my heart rate up at 180. I'm like crap I can't stay here you know at, at that. Uh, but that heart rate, um, but um, so so that was really really fun battle. You know, through that point we've gone back and forth, and we get somewhere about halfway into the course, and we're we're approaching the box, and we're hitting that at the same time. I make a choice, he makes a choice. This time the box had no knots on any of the ropes, right? Um, which can be nice to you. You pinch the rope with your feet, and you got that little bit of support while you see about getting a hand on the the bar on the top. Um, and what I think when I look back at it, what I think is going on is even though he's really seasoned and hasn't taken a break from fitness, he took a step back from his Spartan racing for most of this year. Yeah, that was um, probably it might his... have even been a whole year, not a hundred percent. I so think that was that his first time years, seeing that obstacle, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, I think that's, is that he didn't have how, whatever approach he wanted to use. I don't think he had that ironed out. Um, approaching the box, um, and I got a little bit of an advantage out of that. So I made my first attempt. It was it was hard because it's wet, it's slick. There's no knot, but um, I just I grabbed the rope really high to begin with and just pinched as hard as I could on that rope with my in between my shoes um, so that I could free up my dominant hand um, just long enough to get that bar. So I was up and over, and as I'm climbing down, I don't see him on top of the box. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's, That's, you know, he got hung up on his first attempt. That means like, it was go this. time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I got to take this around. So I'm like, now I'm kind of like, I can't believe this. You know, I'm battling that bear, and now I'm I'm in the lead. Um, and so I shoot downhill. There was um, a pipe layer. I turn the corner. I start going back up the hill. It's not a real tall hill, um, but... I'm most of the way up this little hill when finally I see him come out. What it turned out was he didn't complete the box on his second attempt. Um, it's a multi-attempt obstacle, but he's like, crap, this is holding me down too much. I need to get past this. Um, so he moved on, and there was a penalty loop instead of burpees on that one. Right. So he ran his penalty loop, and it gave me, you know, over a minute lead time. Um, and so, yeah, from there, I was just like, okay, you know, he knows what he's doing. You know, he's a good athlete. He's going to be in, you know, push himself harder for to catch up or damage control mode. Um, and he, he's, he's the hunter now. Um, and and here I am being hunted by a bear um, in the woods in uh, Canada. So you're probably so, uh, redlining at this point. <laughs> what's that? You were probably redlining at this point, trying to get away. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was... Um, um, I was, you know, and I was motivated, you know, then, like, you know, I, I'm you know, surprised that this is even the situation that I'm in. Um, and so they're like, I just got to, I got to push this. I got to go with every bit that I've got because I expect him, you know, to be fighting like a competitor. He's going to try and run me down. Um, you know, he's not going to, you know, lose heart and slow down. Um, and so just, uh, yeah, just pushed as hard as I could through all the running. We had done um, most of the climbing. Um, by that point in time, um, little zigzags up and downs, but, but not any, uh, big monster climbs left. Um, so just kept pushing, um, and, uh, 
made that spear throw, um, after the spear throw, I'm like, okay, you know, I, this is it. You know, if I, just don't screw up, you know, wet monkey bar. And those gloves um, treated me right. You know, I, I got through that wet monkey bar at the end. Um, but like I said, with a, a confident grip that I just was felt sure it wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna lose it. Um, and so, so there it was, man. I, you know, battled the bear. Um, and then so then I get across the finish line. And, uh, you know, Matt comes across, you know, it's um, actually like four minutes uh, later. Um, he didn't he didn't lose that much on his tempo, but um, I think he had, I think it was a late re- possible, but he had 30 burpees somewhere out there. He missed one other thing. Um, so um, so then Matt comes across the finish line, and uh, we get to chat. And then he was really cool and respectful and, you know, and told me, you know, he gave me, gave me compliments, told me, you know, that, you know, it was a really good battle that he didn't you know, mind losing to me. Um, and it wasn't until that conversation that um, it, I find out he's 45. Right. And I'm in the 40 to 44. So for him, it's a relief. He's actually still got the gold for the age group. Uh, <laughs> and for me, I was like, you know, I had no idea the entire time. I mean, you know, I was, you know, I was fighting for that first place. And I just figured it was, you know, that we were in that same battle, you know, in terms of age group. Um, and looking back, I thought, well, you know, I'm really glad that I didn't know. Because sometimes you can, you oh, know, yeah. when, when you're racing, when you're running up a, a hill at elevation and you've been going a while and it's hard and kind of no matter what you're doing, it feels like it's 100% effort. Um, and so, so I'm glad that I didn't let that, like, mess with my mind, like, Oh, he's not really my age group, so oh, yeah. it doesn't matter. That's right. Know? I've done that. Like, somebody come around me, and I didn't know them, and I'd be like, what age group are you in? You know, and come to find out they'd be in a different age group, and then I would know, okay, good. That means I don't have to push harder, you know, and I can, uh-huh. you know, throttle back. Yeah, yeah, there's <laughs> yeah, there's, there's that risk. I mean, because you're going hard, and then you were like, well, I don't want to blow myself up and hurt myself the rest of the race, so you're trying to manage that, that tempo and that breathing and all that. Um, you know, when I was, when there was elite masters, um, you know, cause I had group was a brand new thing for last year. So I was running elite once I was over 40, that just sort of just naturally crept in my mind. I'd be out there trying to do the best I could in elite. Right. And then some guy'd catch up and start to pass me and I'd look over and I'd be judging on it. I'm like, Oh, that guy's like 40? in the 20s. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, okay, that, that guy's not going to cost me the, you know, the elite masters podium. Um, so yeah, you know, you can do that. Um, you could, um, but in, which is why, I, in retrospect, I was glad that I had no clue because maybe I would have, you know, given myself permission, you know, to to not treat the fight the same way. Um, but um, you know, coming out of it, you know, I'm really thankful, you know, that I got to have that race experience, um, and it had to push me harder. Um, like I said, I'd be less, you know, less of you know, been getting faster and faster this year, um, and more podiums. Yeah. And I got blessed by like a minute 25 in the sprint in the short one. Um, but after that battle with Matt, I think my finish time was 18 minutes ahead of Les in the super. Yeah. Les so, is, Les yeah, is, yeah. Had, Les is a badass. And if he wouldn't, yeah, he is. if he wouldn't have jacked up his ankle, I think he would have definitely had a better year for sure. Yeah. And he was, yeah, and even he, after he's raced, He's racing good now, but he took a big chunk of his 
time out when he yeah. could have kept making games because he was making games for sure throughout this year. Yeah, and when he hurt his ankle, he really didn't. He was still racing even though his re- his ankle wasn't one hundred percent. I remember seeing him in Palmerton, and he said his ankle still wasn't one hundred percent. But he, you know, he wanted to do the race anyway. And then I think he went on to Utah. That was not too long after that, too, if I remember right. <laughs> yeah, because Utah, he had to walk it for the points um, to not drop out of the the U.S. National Series. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was just he had to walk then, and then yeah, at the um, let's see, at um, at West Virginia, he wasn't one hundred percent. I was getting worried. I'm like, you know. I mean, I get to, you know, because I have it too. I get the drive and the, the the passion for the racing, especially not wanting to not be there in the championship events. But, right. um, yeah, you know, by the time we're going to listen, I'm like, man, you know, I, I hope he's doing the right thing, you know, because, I mean, shoot, he took second um, in Big Bear, which is yeah. everybody who's done both knows Big Bear is um, a, a mother of a race. For Tahoe, and it's actually higher elevation, steeper gains. Um, everybody that I know that did Big Bear last year and Tahoe last year, everybody took longer on Big Bear, hmm. even in nicer weather. Um, well, the climbs in, are in worse at Big Bear, right? I've never done either race, but watching them both that? live or watching video feed on both of those races, Big Bear looks like it's a, you know a steeper race. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, like say for just for example because Tahoe changes every year but I mean I mean the the layouts the the course layout um because they really only got those the two hills to take you on so you're gonna hit them both so you're gonna get the kind of the same terrain but um the distance in Tahoe last year was 13 and a half in like I think 4200 feet of gain yeah but Big Bear was shorter it was 12 miles and 5,000 feet again this year, 5,200. So, yeah, shorter distance, but still gaining more. So, yeah, you feel those climbs, um, you know, for sure. And, and I guess I bring that at the point, I, you know, how well Les's racing was coming along. Because anybody that knows it, you know, um, I mean, people consider Big Bear infamous. Um, or they call it the Soul Crusher. And, you know, unless, uh, you know, had a dominant performance and uh, took a second-place podium there. Hmm. So, Tahoe's coming up this weekend. You placed first in North American Championships. What have you been doing to prepare to come into Tahoe this weekend? Um, so, mostly um, following West Virginia, I was keeping my my run training on track, and I've been um, I've been working a um, 550 mile pace um, for my 12 miler. Um, And that's not, that's not 12 straight run. I think you know about it. Um, I think I described it before. So I'll hit like an exercise and then like I'll do stair climb, then I'll do a mile. Then I'll do some other exercise, maybe like some kind of hanging grip exercise, go back fast mile, et cetera, you know, until I get to the 12 rounds. Um, So I've been training at a 550 pace. Um, Something I'm actually doing a little different this time and, I guess I'm just going to find out um, uh, how how it works. Is following Whistler, um, and there's so much you know volume of work that I've had in this racing season, and you know kind of so much stress and impact and stuff. Is um, after doing two races in the same weekend, I had thought you know a while back, oh yeah, I'm going to use this last weekend for training. Um, 
what I decided this time, um, coming out of the two races from Whistler is I just want to take care of my body and just have everything be fresh. Yeah, recover um, good. So I took I took the weekend off from training, and then, um, well, my weekend was Friday, Saturday. Sunday and Monday, I went back to my um, hard tempo. When I say hard tempo, I'm talking like 130 to 136 steps a minute. Um, so like a hard tempo, 30-minute stair climber. And I did that before work on Sunday and Monday. And then after that, I said, okay, that's it. Um, I'm just, I just want everything just comfortable and, re- and, and in good health and nothing sore, nothing tweaks, you know, nothing, uh, you know, to, to have that kind of, you know, significant negative impact. So from here till Tahoe, um, I mean, I'm basically done with workouts. Um, I have plans, uh, some Epsom salt baths and just hopefully getting to bed early enough that I actually just, keep getting some good sleep between now and then gotcha so they're planning on the weather being kind of chilly i mean i know the age groups are going to start a lot later than they did last year so that's a a plus for sure but what is your strategy uh trying to stay warm this weekend during the race okay yeah that's a really good thing to talk about in fact i if I wasn't so time for, I probably would have just like shot a video just to share some tips and like throw it up on YouTube and Facebook just to try and help people because there is a lot of DNFing that goes on at Tahoe, um, and um, and so you know, a few different things because I've been there four years in a row, four Ultra Beasts and two World Championships. So I've done ten laps in Tahoe in the last four years, um, and the swim. Um, we just, I would tell anybody, be prepared for the swim to be there. They may pull it. I would kind of, I'm actually kind of expecting that they probably should. At least I think that they should because the forecast now is a range of 24 to like 42. 42 is the high of the day, but that's down in the valley. When yeah. you're 2,500 feet higher on a mountaintop, don't think it's going to warm up to 42. So we're probably going to be dealing with freezing. Um, and so for that... I think it'll be a bad idea for them to keep the swim if it's freezing up there. Because what's going to happen if it's freezing is a lot of us do know about that swim and how brutal it can be and we'll have um, strategy. So I'll, I'll explain what I'm going to bring to be prepared, but a bunch of people won't. And they'll have so many DNFs, they'll pull off so many people from hypothermia, they'll probably like what has happened on some previous years, not every year, but some years, they pulled a bunch of DNFs and said, man, we're doing this too much, and then they yank the swim anyways. And then some people are getting a, a race with no swim, and while other people had it, either that finished or had it in DNF. So yeah. I guess I'm sharing my opinion is I think if it's going to be freezing up there, um, they should probably just make a, a good management decision instead of being short-staffed on medical people. Um, so that's my opinion. But come prepared and expect they're not going to pull it. So what I did last year that worked well, the weather was warmer than it is now. But the swim was still brutal, and um, and the winds were fierce up there last year. I was actually on the twister, one more handhold to go, and I just had to stop because my legs went straight back, and I looked like Superman, um, like a 40-mile-an-hour wind, and it just sustained. And just wow. had me there with my feet all, like, all the way up to the obstacle, just, you know, whatever, horizontal to the ground. Um, so... So you can expect, you know, the elements to be a factor, even if they pull the swim. Um, so what I did last year 
to deal with um, the swim was I had a waist pack with a waterproof windbreaker. We were starting off earlier, but it, you know, it was pretty cold. Um, I started off with a really light, but it was a long sleeve um, Spartan racing uh, like tech tee kind of shirt. Um, right. So that it just had something that my body heat wasn't escaping. Um, and so I wore that on the way up on the, the climb. We get up there to the swim. It was pretty early on after, like say, like two miles of almost all straight climbing. So be prepared for that. Um, then we get up there to the swim. On the little downhill descent, or like in, the lake was in sight, uh, so I didn't want to lose much time, so I took the shirt off while I was running. I tied it like a bandana on on my head because I knew I was going to keep my head out of the water. Um, and then you got a, a life vest you're going to have to wear. Right. Um, so I put the, the shirt on my head to stay out of water. I took the waist pack off and put it back over, like angled over one shoulder across my back on the outside of the life vest. And so that stayed out of water the whole time. The swim was brutal. Get out. Um, now, your skin's going to dry a lot faster than clothing. So I recommend to people just run in your compression shorts. Because um, if you go with long pants, long racing tights, you're just going to hold that cold water, and you're going to get hit with the wind. Um, that's a sure thing. Even if you're up on top of Tahoe in nice weather, you're getting a sunburn at the same time, you're still going to get the wind hitting you. Um, so with that cold weather, um, I had much worse, um, results in that really significant cramps when I had done it with like racing tights, um, after the swim and being up in the wind. So I'm going to be in shorts, keep that, the protective layer out of the water and then just start running. You get out of the swim, just start going. Yeah, it's cold, but you start moving fast. The air is going to dry out a bit. Um, and then you can put a layer back on. Um, if it's pouring rain on us, then I'll probably just throw, you know, like the waterproof windbreaker on right away because um, then I'm keeping body heat inside of the, the windbreaker. Right. Um, so that's the approach that I'm going to take. I'm probably going to have, um, I'm, I'm probably going to take something bigger than the waste pack. I actually ordered a like a Yeti um, kind of waste pack kind of thing that's got a little more volume in the reviews or that it's just, it's stellar, it's perfect, it has this magnet system and really like keeps things perfectly dry even when it gets submersed. Um, so and I'm thinking about that. Yeti makes it? More options. What's that? You said Yeti makes it, the brand Yeti? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a product from Yeti, so um, I, said, I, ordered a, I hope it's better show up in time. <laughs> um, but, um, so yeah, I want to bring that that I'm able to bring a little more because like I said, with that forecast of being in the, the 20s for the low in the high of 40s is right now. And now that weather report, it can keep changing, but the closer we get, the less likely they're real far off. Um, so it's looking to be really cold. So I'm thinking about having something um, like I've got like a really light, um, uh, like like a really light wave, but like a moisture wicking, um, you know, kind of face mask kind of thing that I can, and so that's a nice quick option for changing how much heat I retain because I can just pull the face mask part back, you know, to where the thing just sits back down around my neck, um, getting blasted with too much wind, losing too much heat, just, you know, pull it back up. So that's some of the things that I am uh, planning on and that I recommend to people. Um, definitely have something, whether you have a waste pack, a Ziploc bag, whatever, have something that you can protect from water that you're going to be able to put on after the swim. 
Um, and even if the weather's so cold they yank the swim, um, we're going to have precipitation most likely. Um, the wind is basically a guarantee up there. Um, so if you have something you can keep dry or like a waterproof windbreak, you're like, okay, fine, I'm running in the rain and it's cold, but at least I'm not getting all my body heat zapped away from me from just water on skin and no protection. Right. So when we did Killington a couple of weeks ago, it was cold there, and when we got to the top of the mountains, it was the same thing. You know, the wind was probably like 30 miles per hour, and, you know, it was cold while we were up there, but we weren't at the top of the mountain in the wind for a very long time, less than five minutes every time we went to the top of the mountain peak. And then we would, you know, as soon as you was at the top, it was turn around and go back down. So my question is, at Tahoe, are you up at the peak of the mountain for an extended amount of time in the winds? Yes. Um, they've got some real good flat areas there, and it's one of the best places in that in the layout of that terrain for Spartan to put together a gauntlet. So every year oh, wow. that I've been there, um, they have, they'll have a big, I mean, it can be you know, from eight to maybe 12 obstacles, just back to back to back to back to back. Um, another thing that got people last year is some people had an approach to get themselves through the swim and didn't have anything else to save themselves when we did dunk wall in the gauntlet up on the top. Right. So it was flat, it was wind, it was high elevation of the year up to like eight and a half thousand feet. Um, uh, anybody that knows anything about Mark Neven. He is a freaking beast. He's just an amazing athlete. Um, and he does all kinds of crazy endurance things, things longer than ultra beasts. Um, but Mark got, um, hit really hard and really sapped his, um, you know, his potential, uh, you know, finish time and placement there in Tahoe last year. Cause he had made it through the swim. And then after that gauntlet where we hit a, like a, I think it was a dunk wall, but there was a rolling light dunk wall and a slip wall. And, you know, and then, like, he was cramping up and having trouble even getting up and over the slip wall. You know, and there he is, high elevation with wind being a factor, too. Um, so, um, like, that's something that I did last year is when I came out of the swim, and we weren't getting rained on. So I was able to do that simple. I only had the two pieces. I had the shirt and the windbreaker. So once I got air-dried, just running away from the swim, I put the shirt back on. Right. Um, then when I got to the dunk wall, I tried to protect that, but it, it didn't really work. I got my shirt wet. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Just put it away, and that was it. I was done with the shirt for the day, put on a windbreaker, um, and that thing was a lifesaver. Um, you know, when I was, you know, just doing my Superman move on Twister hmm. in a 40-mile-an-hour wind, if I had been, you know, wet and exposed skin, um, you know, that would have been you know, some serious trouble for me. Right. Um, and, and I know, you know, I, I talked to racers that DNF'd, um, last year um because of you know that combo the, the wet and the cold so i guess i want to warn racers that are heading there about that too that besides that gauntlet on the top and possibly a lot of wind exposure um don't forget two water features you're probably going to get a dunk wall and the swim um and don't forget a panger too if you fail a panger you're going to fall in the water there too yeah yeah and a yeah i mean you you can you know when you fish you you can have a decent shot of keeping your top layer dry. Yeah. Um, unless you're definitely living good, because that, 
the waters are deep as him. <laughs> um, yeah, they are. Sorry, Dustin. I love you. I'm short too. Um, but um, yeah, I love like my shirt Dustin did Hale. okay coming out of um, a, a banger. But yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, so um, yeah, actually, bracers you can probably count on tree water features. Um, so that's why I recommend something like having that waterproof windbreaker. Because um, even if that thing gets wet, if it's waterproof um, and blocking the winds, and you got your wet skin underneath it, you know, you're as you're working hard, you're generating some body heat. It's just not all. I mean, they're not airtight, but it's not escaping as fast as you're cranking it out. So you're going to keep some heat for yourself inside that windbreaker. In fact, I had times with last year's weather, although last year again warmer than what we're going to see this time. Um, I had, was kind of back and forth between like, oh, I'm just working hard. You know, there's no wind. I was unzipping, you know, to let some heat out. And then I'd turn a corner and get blasted with wind. I was yeah. starting to think, God, I don't even need this jacket anymore. And then I turned the corner and you get hit. That's the side of the mountain the wind's coming from. And, you know, boom, like I went from hot to cold in one second. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not necessarily the temperature isn't what's going to make you cold. A lot of times it's the wind is what's going to make you cold. So, mm-hmm. you, you're going out there, the race is on Sunday, are you going to get there early and kind of do some recon on Saturday, with the weather being as bad as it is, I hope you're not sleeping in your car at this race. <laughs> no, no, no way, but no, I would not, I would not dare that um, for a race <laughs> as important to me as the world championship. Um, no, I've got some friends that we're sharing a cabin, we're like 18 cool. miles away, um, you know. They're great. They're fun people. They're serious racers too. So it's not like party night. It's more like lights out at eight or eight thirty. Um, it just, it's so nice. That, um, well, yeah, this weather forecast looks horrible, but the fact that AG starts, my group starts at ten thirty. That's going to be uh, awesome. Like, yeah, it's like it's the first time I'm doing a Spartan race where I don't have to wake up in the dark. Um, I might sleep in all the way till seven. Um, I'll probably actually be too excited and like wake up at 5.30 and that'll be it. But, yeah, so I saw uh, in the in the program for the race that they're serving like a breakfast at 8 a.m. before the race. And I'm thinking, how, how many elite racers and, and serious age group racers are going to, you know, eat something that is kind of may possibly be foreign, you know, at 8 o'clock? Because I think elite goes out at what, 9 so you're talking about yeah. an hour before the race, like who who's gonna? That's that would yeah, be. I'd, that's a no no in my have, book. I'm three hours yeah, before the race. Yeah, competitors wanting to jump on that. No, I'm gonna yeah. have um, you know my nutrition all planned out based on my personal experience and what's yeah. worked for me for sustained energy for a long event. I'm gonna time it about the same time. I like to like I like to eat a pretty. Um, higher high calorie meal, especially for a beast distance. I like to eat high calorie like two hours ahead of my race time, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna take some more stuff, including some specific supplements. Um, you know, leading up to race, I'm gonna take a hammered gel, like basically right before I walk into the corral. Right. Um, and then I'm gonna have those with me that I can take more and get a little more um, along the way. Um, and hammer, you know, hammer's just it's a great company. There's their gels. Oh, yeah, I use a lot of their complex stuff. complex carbs. They don't have, have corn syrup. They don't have junk fillers. Um, it's, it's it's quick energy. It's rapidly absorbed energy, but it's actually more of a complex carb. Um, and, uh, you know, so you get a little bit better, a potentially better balance to your blood sugar um, while you're absorbing it. Um, so so that's a company that I just love their products. So I'm going to have those with me um, for sure for um more calories throughout the race. 
and you know, speaking of um, preparation and you know, supplements and stuff like that, something I got turned on to it was from one of your podcasts, and a, a friend of mine who's just an awesome athlete, um, and so much fun to be around, Cole DeRosa. Yeah. And on his episode, he was talking about all red. Right. And, and he convinced me, and I'm like, I'm going to give that stuff a try. Um, dude, I will not go back. Um, and in fact, I had, um, I had an experience. There was this, so I, there's this hill that I, that I was doing incline training on, um, close to where I live. It's a place called Enumclaw. It has this hill that's 0.93 miles and just over a thousand feet of gain. Right. It's 21%. Um, so really good, hard, steep thing. I've gone there and done repeats to where I spent like, you know, two and a half hours out there and, and gained 5,000 feet on a big workout day. Uh, recently, I was going to do like a short one. I was going to do like one race pace and it's only like 12, 13 minutes from me up this hill. Yeah. Um, and then, and then I was going to do just a few more like a relaxed tempo just for, um, for volume. And I was starting to run low on alt red and I'm like, well, I'm only doing the one race pace. Um, and like, the two weeks prior, I actually got the crown and got the number one Strava time on that ascent. Oh, wow. And so now here I am, and, I'm, and, and I was conserving my outright. I'm like, well, I'm just going to go race pace this one time. After that, it's not really a high output kind of workout. So I didn't take it. And as soon as I started that 21% climb, I mean, it was like in the first 30 seconds to a minute, I could feel the difference um, that just my legs felt heavier. I was working really hard. I was breathing really hard because um, I was, doing a uphill race pace um and it just wasn't the same and i ended up finishing that that day like a minute off of my strava crown time um and after that i was like okay that's that's the difference i'm like i'm i'm, I'm not uh, going back so um yeah, i know a lot of people that use that stuff swear by it i haven't tried it yet though yeah and it and it um it helps boost your nitric oxide, um, and it helps um, stave off. Um, it's the, I don't I don't have all the science all, right. like, all memorized, but I understand the product. The betalanes that are in the beets, which is something they extract and have concentrated in the outlet, um, it um, it helps prevent uh, lactic acid buildup. Um, yeah, and for and a lot of people that don't like the flavor muscles. of beets, that they can swallow the beets instead of drinking them. <laughs> What's that? So a lot of people don't like drinking the uh, the beet uh, supplements, so they take that pill because they don't like the flavor of it. I know a lot of people take it just for that fact alone. I've never had a problem mm -hmm. with drinking the beet powders. I actually think it's kind of good, but some people hate it. <laughs> and that's a good alternative okay, for them, too. Yeah. I got I got no experience to compare because I never tried the beet powders, but um, yeah, you know, I um, I started making gains in my training, you know, faster when I started using some of the, these good supplements. Um, I mentioned the hammer gels, alt red, um, and alt red. That's not a thing where it's like you're not going to get a, 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 a like a oh I pounded three five hour energies and drink a bunch of caffeine. You're not going to get a buzz feeling. It's just going to change how quickly you fatigue and it's going to help improve, you know, kind of your, that, um, your nitric oxide kind of help improve the results of your, um, your, your breathing, your oxygen uptake. And so you're just able to do like that, that best version of you. You're going to be able to sustain it better. You're going to be able to sustain it longer. So um, 
And like I said, I mean, I've, the results I've gotten out of it, and then having that comparison that one day I didn't bother, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sold that that's, um, you know, that's a, a, a contributor, you know, to being able to do your own personal best. So does this supplement, do you have to load it and take it, like, every day? No, no, it's um, it's a take it two hours because... The effects are supposed to be peaking, and, and some people may, you know, try to, oh, I'll, I'll go about an hour and a half or whatever, but they say it's supposed to be about two hours for it to kind of reach its maximum, you know, benefit um, being you know, circulating in the bloodstream. So what I do is I'll take it two hours before the event. If it's short like a sprint, um, then that would be it because it's going to start trailing off about two more hours, so about four hours after you took it. Right. But for any super or beast... I'll take it again at the start line. So then that one's kind of, the oh. second pill is reaching its peak about the time that first one is going to start to, the effects are going to start to die off. A bit. Oh, I got you. Um, so, so that's, you know, that was the tip that I got from Cole. It's worked really well for me. Um, I made sure to be stocked up on that ahead of time, you know, for Tahoe. Um, and, you know, that's going to be one of my um, key, um, key supplements to take. And uh, when I go to Sparta and then for Sweden for the 24-hour, we're going to need a lot of it you know, for that. Um, and then the other thing that I do, um, I found out about this company. They actually reached out to me first on Instagram. Um, the product is Replace SR. Um, the, actually, the company name is Endurance Products Company. Right. Um, but what they make, they specialize in kind of two key areas with a lot of different supplements, but their specialty is... Sustained release and um, and formulation for maximum absorption that you're really getting the benefit of the the vitamins or the minerals or whatever things you're buying from them, and so they actually make a sustained release electrolyte tab, and that has um, that has worked awesome for me. Um, I I gave it a slow test. I'm like, okay, I'm going to test it in this little workout where it's not my big two and a half hour workout because I don't want to risk the value of my two and a half hour Spartan simulation on, on a product I didn't know. Um, but it sat perfectly in my stomach, no issues. So then the next time my big workout came up, I'm like, okay, now here's test number two. So I'm not going to take any body armor, Gatorade, no electrolyte beverages. I'm going to take this electrolyte tab. And so the deal is you've got the electrolytes in your stomach already. And you just take water, you know, from to that time it was through the workout, but it works great for us Spartans. On course, they got water stations. So you just keep hydrating as you go, and you got these electrolytes already in you. Um, and I'll take so, it's like a pill, so it's like a pill you swallow? It's not like a non-tablet yeah. that dissolves in the water? Yeah, no, it's one you swallow. Okay, it's, gotcha. It's sustained release, so you don't, you don't chew it. It'd be a bad idea, I think, to chew it. Right. Um, you just you know, swallow that and let it do, you know, because it's formulated for that slow release, so you keep getting those electrolytes from a four up to six hour range. You're continuing to, to have those, you know, delivered into your bloodstream as you're just really slowly processing and digesting it. Um, so I've been really happy with it. Um, you know, I... Actually, I got some samples from them. Recently, was able to do a product giveaway, which was a lot of fun, um, and just share that with other athletes. And already got some great feedback. Um, some folks, you know, I'm telling people here, you know, I'm giving you enough. You can sample it, you know, in a workout, and then and then some more. You can, you know, have it available for an event. Uh, some one of the guys that I sent it to, um, he's like, he just 
he just decided to go for it. He and his wife were doing a half marathon, like, coming up, like, basically right after, um, you know, the shipment had got to him. So they both took it and, you know, we're totally happy with the results and no cramps. Um, and that's, you know, one of the, the big things that electrolytes are going to help you oh, yeah. prevent, um, you know, is cramping muscles from being starved. You're sweating out those electrolytes. You keep taking the water, but if you don't have the electrolytes, um, you know, then you can, you cramping is a, is a key problem. And, and I've had those in some races and it just sucks to just, you know, watch that spot you fought for just fall away as you start limping along the trail and those other people you had passed or zipping by and, um, you know, but it can happen. Um, so, um, so that's a, that's a, one of my, one of my weapons. Um, and I ended up being really thankful that, I mean, like I said, I didn't know about them. They reached out to me, um, and said, Hey, you want to give this a shot? And I'm glad that they did because, um, you know, it's just, it's awesome to have that. And then to have that confidence, you know, as you're going through the event, you know, and you know, I can just take a lot of the station. I didn't need to carry the weight of a hydration pack and have some special mix in it, you know, to tackle the electrolytes issue. That's cool, man. So I heard you say a minute ago that you're planning on going to Sweden too and Sparta. So have you ever done an ultra or is this going to be your first try to a 24 hour ultra in Sweden? Um, I've done, um, yeah, I've done a bunch of Spartan ultras. So I got started in 2015. Um, this is going to be my first 24 hour. So, um, so that's going to be quite the adventure. Um, <laughs> part of my game plan is to be, uh, lean and lean and lean for the Spartan trifecta. Um, and then Sweden is exactly one week later. So it'd be ridiculous financially and time-wise. And I'm not coming back to the U S and paying airfare to get over there again. So I'm going to stay there. So I figure it's a 24 hour event. I'm going to burn through a ridiculous amount of calories. So my plan after I finish the trifecta is see if I can get fat. <laughs> I like that plan. I'm going to be in Greece. Man, they got olives and cheese and bread. and um, So I'm going to do a little bit of pigging out. Um, Carb load. And then fly up to Sweden that Thursday, see if I can uh, add a little bit of, bit of calorie storage because I'm pretty sure I'm going to burn through everything in the 24-hour event. Plus, it's cold. You know, so your body's going to do more work to, to generate the heat. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and we'll see, you know, how it goes. Um, I'm shooting for the stars. You know, my... Um, my goal this year, of course, is I've, I've had my heart set on winning Tahoe um, after only being fifth and you know missing the podium in Tahoe last year. So my goal is to try and get all three championships. I want to win Tahoe. I want to win the trifecta in Sparta and um, and the ultra in Sweden. That's an awesome goal, man. I want to wish you luck to it. We're coming on about an hour here, Ireland, man. Is there anything you want to add to this? Um. I guess if I could do a couple of uh, quick plugs. Um, sure. I, I do love um, getting the chance to do um, the videos at the open houses. Um, and, you know, like, you know, I got a lot of uh, feedback, you know, like Sam, you said, you know, I helped you with that first Olympus video. Yeah, man. So I've, I've done more. I've got more posted. Um, I'm pretty easy to find across the board with social media because it's just Spartan Ireland. So, my page on Facebook is Spartan Ireland, uh, my Instagram, and then my YouTube channel is just Spartan Ireland YouTube channel. So I've got um, the videos up there um, with some some awesome stuff. Um, I've got a video I'm going to, like, i got to kind of actually kind of double-check my editing, but, you know, kind of sharing um, 
what works for me on the weight loss thing this year, because that was some really stubborn weight. And I just thought that I was stuck there for like two years and couldn't break out of it. But um, I found what works for me and got you know really leaned up this year. So I got a video um, for that. Um, I need to watch that video probably twice. Um, so yeah, so I'll be putting more content there. So Spartan Island YouTube channel. Um, and like I said, you know, the dream is all three world championships. Um, I spend basically every penny, you know, that I have for my racing season. Um, and so I actually started up a little GoFundMe to see if I could even get to, um, Sparta in Sweden when it was an unsure thing. Um, now one of my, I've got a sponsor that has actually hooked me up with the, um, the waterproof top and bottom, the, the lightweight waterproof gear that I'm going to need, you know, to kind of face the elements there in Sweden. So that's a big hurdle. Um, from being with Hoka, yeah. I got some, I got a couple of their waterproof, um, like waterproof breathable Hoka boots. Um, so I've got two so I can switch out. So I got that tackled and I've raised enough money that I've, I've purchased the aircraft. So I'm booked for all the races. Awesome. Sweden and the trifecta weekends. Um, but I've, I've still got the GoFundMe. It's, just, it's GoFundMe.com slash it's Spartan Ireland um, Dreaming Bigger because that's, that's what I'm doing. That's, that's my big dream is to see if I can actually make it to it and compete, um, you know, in all these world championships. I did a shirt fundraiser for it, but that thing has reached its deadline. The shirts went out. Um, I mean, that's, that's my view for me. Um, and that's kind of a view that I just hope to be able to encourage other people in is, you know, it's just dream bigger. And, um, you know, let the, you know, you get to, to the one level and let yourself, you know, dare to see if you can hit hit that next one. I wasn't even thinking about um, Sweden. A good friend of mine who pushed me to get over to Sparta last year, he did the same thing this year in Utah and pushed me to get over to Sweden so I can help you with um, help you out with your race entry if you can get over there. Um, and so and that was kind of the thing that sparked this, like the dreaming bigger of actually daring to take on, you know, all three. Um, so that's still open. So if anybody, you know, I, um, you know, there's plenty of important things that people are doing with their lives and their money and stuff, and there's no reason that they have to help out me. Um, but if somebody wants to help make help me make that dream, you know, and, and make that journey, like I said, I've got the airfare, and, but, like, that's as much as I've raised. So, like, as far as transportation, lodging, and food, I still kind of don't know where that's coming from for the European trip. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And that's and like you said, that is going to be a super expensive trip. I felt like if I, if I did a GoFundMe account for myself at the end of the deadline when the GoFundMe ended, GoFundMe would probably send me a bill. <laughs> but uh, man, that's great, dude. And I wish all the luck to you to um go over there and do that, man. That's going to be an awesome trip. You know, you do there, you go to Sparta, and then you got time to kill and relax and enjoy the country before you go to Sweden, man. Sounds like an epic ride, dude, man, and I wish you all yeah. luck. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm dreaming about it, and, you know, last year I got, you know, just destroyed with the jet lag, and, like, I was in, um, after traveling, like, 24 hours, I was in Sparta on Friday morning, race Saturday two races, race Sunday, Sunday night, 2 a.m., I'm back up to hustle to the airport, 31 hours of traveling to get back, and I was working on the Tuesday. Um, and so oh, I didn't wow. see anything except the drive, and, and now the race event, you know, in Sparta itself was just freaking gorgeous, and you have the 
just these amazing views out there. You're you're running through these terraced olive grove inclines, and and then you look back and you see Sparta in the valley, and you see these mountains towering back behind it, and um, you know, so I got to see just the little bits that I was in, but to actually just be like, oh hey, you know, I'm in Greece. What about this ancient thing in Athens that's been there for four thousand years? I'd like to have time to go look at it um, by staying there and hanging out for the Sweden event. I'll actually get to, to do that, just a little time and just, like I said, relax, eat, um, you know, <laughs> see a couple things. Man, that's awesome, dude. It sounds fun, man. Dude, and I want to wish you all the luck in the world, man. And I just want to thank you again for coming on the podcast, man. And thank you for reaching out and wanting to share your story about the race in uh, Whistler, man. And, uh, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. I mean, I was just going to tell you, man, I wish you all the luck, dude. And, uh, if you don't have anything else you want to add, man, we'll go ahead and end this one. Yeah, okay. No, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate being on. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a pleasure to share the story. It was just such an exciting experience to be able to have a battle, you know, with, with Matt the Bear. Um, looking forward to seeing everybody at Tahoe. Um, whether or not you can help me get to Sparta, I hope you can get yourself to Sparta because it's just an amazing experience. Um likely to have gorgeous weather it's in just an awesome place you know steeped in history and um and it's a trifecta world championship so uh, whether you can help me or not if you can get yourself there you know i hope you do um and scott i want to thank you i mean not just for having me on but i know that you supported me in that fundraiser so thanks again for that and just you know helping me uh you know dream big hey kim man i think it's awesome what you're trying to do to get first and win all three of those man that's going to be an awesome achievement to do, man, especially just taking the Sparta weekend. I mean, that's going to be that's going to be a tough challenge, bro, and I hope you can do it, man. I hope so. All right, Island, we'll talk to you later, man, and good luck in Tahoe this weekend. All right, thanks. We'll see you there. Later, man. All right, bye. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Island again for coming on to the show, telling us about his experience at Whistler and how he's preparing to go into Tahoe this weekend. I wish everybody good luck going into Tahoe this weekend. I won't be there. It's going to be super cold, so I'm not really sad about it. I need everybody to go and give Bruce Jackson and Cole DeRosa and Daniel Smith some big bear hugs and warm them Florida boys up because they need all the help they can get. And somebody holler as loud as they can, I love Bruce Jackson at the beginning of the race because I won't be there to do it. Anyway, got a new review. Going to read it right now. Awesome podcast, five stars, from gh.brand. Scott does a great job with the I'm a Spartan podcast. Sometimes when I listen to a podcast, I wish the interviewer asked better questions. I never find myself thinking that when listening to this podcast. My favorite episodes were the ones that focused on the death race and Killington Ultra. It's cool getting to be a fly on the wall and hear why and how people do these sorts of races. GH Brand, thanks, brother. It really means a lot that, you know, you left this review and you said this, man. For everybody, you know, that always comes up to me at the races and tell me they listen to the podcast, it means a lot. I mean, just the messages, you know, on Facebook and Instagram, man, it it really means a lot. And I really appreciate it a lot. My next race will be at Conyers in a couple of weeks. I hope everybody is worn out from Tahoe and it gives me a better advantage. That'll be great because I'm kind of fat and fluffy right now, but I'm working on it. So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, leave a review like GH Brand, and I will read it. 
And we'll see you at the next race. Later!